I just okay. want my career to be so. cats in personal finance. That's all I want. <laughs> Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, and transit adventures and life hacks, and today, finances and felines... <laughs> we have with us here in the studio uh, Lillian Kerbeck. Kerbeck, yeah, Kerbeck. good Excellent. job. Yay! Um, so I've been I've been following Lillian for a time on Twitter. Here, she's got a lot of cool projects going on, and we're incredibly excited to have her here on the show. Yay! Yeah, thanks for having me. Back from Siberia. I am. I'm literally back from <laughs> Siberia. That's not an expression. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So what's happening with you, Guthrie? Let's see. Busy week in town. Uh, the weather has been holding out, and thus outdoor activities have been happening. Uh, and although that may change up soon, I had the great pleasure yesterday of attending an event at the Bike Gallery down in Westmoreland and going to see Nathan Jones as he talked about his world bikepacking extravaganza trip. Yes. Did he, did he mention... Whether or not he broke the record. He did not break the record. Oh. Um, although, that being said, it, it seemed like an a incredibly formative experience, and it sounds like we may have an opportunity to have him here on the show sometime in the next oh, month or so. Definitely. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Our, our resident uh, bike world tourer hero. <laughs> uh, so Nathan recently completed a 18,000-mile journey uh, in pursuit of chasing the world record for um, biking across the world. And so how, how that works is... Um, had a really great presentation, about two hours there, as he worked his way through Europe, over to India, to Australia, and then finally settling on uh, what was about 1,800 miles worth of planes riding in the central part of the United States <laughs> uh, in order to make up some mileage and to get 18,000, uh, which was just finished up in June. Nice. So yeah, great, great, um, great presentation, great talk. He, he, you know, was in a very turbulent time of that, um, not sure if folks tracking the the race scene in terms of ultra endurance uh but when he was in australia unfortunately uh they lost a rider there and so much oh, yeah. hardship but also many successes um and as as nathan put it and i'm i guess paraphrasing here but he said uh you know this long distance thing you either finish it out and know who you are or you uh don't finish at all and and that's that so no. <laughs> w with it um you know lots of good introspection and uh mm. great great thing to go check out how cool. about yourself, Aaron? Um, I went to a pumpkin patch on Ooh. Sunday. My brother was in town from Montana. That sounds so exciting. Yeah. So he's he's got a brother-in-law, so his wife's brother, uh, lives in Vancouver with their family. And uh, so they, they always stay in Vancouver whenever they're in town. So when they're in town, they're not really. So they're so they're already <laughs> close close enough to Savi Island. They are, and that that was kind of part of the discussion. Is like, well, maybe we'll go to Savi Island, and I was I was shaking my head, no, okay, no, do so not do not go to Savi Island. Did you, you find a pumpkin patch up towards Battleground? Yeah. Then? So one of one of well, his brother in law, one of their friends, actually owns a like pumpkin patch nice thing. It's really it's really strange, like what. What goes into creating a pumpkin patch? Hmm. I don't know if you've ever really thought of like, 
This is just like, like a family farm. And yeah, yeah, okay. the logistics of it. And like their house is right there on the property. I'm thinking like all these total strangers are walking around their front yard while, you know, they have like this little booth set up hmm. where you pay for these pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Was um, it one that they had to run themselves or was it sort of based on an honor system? Um, A little of both. Okay. Like you, you walked up with your wheelbarrow full or hands full of pumpkins and like someone was there like counting it and said, you know, okay, uh, $35, you know, pay up at the booth. Okay. And there was a part of me that's like, you know, if I just stood here for five minutes, I could just wheel my wheelbarrow over to the car. And be like, <laughs> you know, throw the yeah, wheelbarrow yeah, in, yeah, throw I, the pumpkins. I paid for it. Like, no one, like, it's not like anyone puts a sticker on these pumpkins, like, you know, paid, paid, mm-hmm. paid. But they do it by but, the pound. Um, I don't know how they do it. Someone just sort of looks at what you've got and kind of gives you a number. <laughs> okay. So that's like, that's but, the real experience. Yeah. I, I yeah. figure, <laughs> yeah, I figure that's. I mean, the amount of pumpkins you have there, that'll be $35. So here's the funny thing, though. In Montana, apparently, where they're living, the land isn't really that good for, for squash or pumpkin. Okay. And so they always they always come back with these giant, you know, like, big as your arm span pumpkins. Mm-hmm. And all their neighbors, you know, are just amazed. They think of this as, like, you know, a totally unique thing mm-hmm. for us is they they just grow like that over okay. here yeah. for the most part you know it's we, like it's like a 20 dollar pumpkin for us and i guess over there you know you get you know something like basketball size for 30 dollars wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you don't think about it. I like never that. thought about regional variations the, in pumpkin prices. The, ec- yeah. the economics of squash, yeah. What's... I mean I think about the economics of everything. Now, <laughs> right. Now I'm going to be obsessed with the economics of squash. So. Oh, yeah. It's uh, so similar to Christmas trees, too, where, you know, a lot of that's grown up here in Washington or Oregon, but you'll find Oregon Christmas trees all across the U.S. for oh, the most really? part. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. There's uh, uh, a lot of folks who will, you know, if you get like a good noble fur, you can go down to the L.A. area or such, get a big box truck and um, make three or four times on, on what you'd pay here for the same thing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things we were talking about is like, well, why don't we just load up your trunk yep. oh. with all, all <laughs> I, sorts of pumpkins? I would not be surprised if there was somebody <laughs> there's somebody out there working that angle. Trying to, trying to make it's a, a quick dollar. It's a good little side hustle, man. Very seasonal, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to make it quick and then, you know. Better money sure than an Uber driver, it. right? You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah Choose that. your own hours. <laughs> <laughs> this could be the new thing. You know, if only we could have an app. For when, you know, pumpkins reach their peak season mm. and then like you could track the driver from this is, here. There is a venture the capitalist across. listening to this right now. Yep. It's like prank right. call, prank call. You didn't hear anything. <laughs> it's gonna be like pumpker or something like yeah, that, right? Because yeah. they won't be able to get pumpkin as a name. Yeah. So no, or no. it'll just be missing all of the vowels. Or like like But pun- it'll be super cool that way. It'd be yeah. like pumpkin. And yeah. like, like not pumpkin, but pumpkin. And it's like this, this cool little like graphic of a pumpkin. And in the stem, it's like this mohawk, mm-hmm. like, like pointy green stem. And then, you know, there's a little car or motorcycle. Or like underneath punk it. mate. Punk mate. Would oh, be. yeah. I can see that. I don't know. We could go far with that. If you, <laughs> yeah, but it, like, think about it. If you had time on your hands, circa 2017, you literally could make an app for that. Like, <laughs> this is actually in the realm of possibility. <laughs> 
not so far fetched. I mean, here, the folks. technology's there. Right? This doesn't it's even actually matter. sound like that difficult. Of yeah. A challenge. I had a brilliant idea for an app today, and I want someone to make it so that I can use it. Um, which is an app that lets you record yourself screaming at yourself with a panic attack when you have caffeine-induced panic, mm. and then <laughs> the next day sends that to you at around 2 p.m. when you're thinking about having that third cup of coffee that you should definitely uh. not have, just to tell you this is a bad idea. Right, right. So. I, I would be a subscriber to that yeah. app. <laughs> this is great. I mean, this... This has applications for all sorts of addiction services. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. No, this would also work for alcohol, right? Right. But the problem is you're usually less coherent when you're... I'm not I'm not punching in an app. <laughs> right. Look. You can't tell me what to do, May- machine. Oh, maybe even better is in the morning when you're hungover, you can mark the drunk test text that you're ashamed that you sent, and then it'll resend those to you at like 9.30 at night Ooh, when you're at the bar yeah. and be like, just, just, you really? yeah, do just you really? Do you really? But if you get started early, like 9 o'clock might roll around and, and you're like sitting on a few, and that might actually still look like a good idea. <laughs> It comes back around like, oh yeah, that was that was genius. I'm glad. I'm really, I got I'm really glad this. I saved that one for a day just yeah. to be able to like send that a second time. Yeah, yeah. You might have to like connect it to Foursquare or something, and then it notices where you're at or oh, like gosh. you know your Google app, your Google location. I or still something. never never got into Foursquare or, Is Foursquare? or even really understood. Still, it. Is it even a thing? And I, I still use it. Okay. Like I literally check in everywhere I go. As um, as someone who checks in, I tried to wrap my head around the concept so feel like it's still useful to you you have you get utility Spe- speaking of which here let's do a selfie and we'll check into my foursquare right now oh yeah okay um it has been done yeah like no joke i actually check in to um a hundred percent of the places i go so um, do, you, do you get points with those i do okay the, the points are less um useful to me it's more a record of where i'm going like it's mm-hmm. for myself like i don't <laughs> I, I like vaguely care, but I have one friend who travels internationally for work, so mm-hmm. he gets all of the points all the time because he, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and I am the mayor of StreamPDX, so I do care about that. <laughs> You're the mayor I'm of StreamPDX? I'm the mayor of StreamPDX, <laughs> and I just, I just took it away from um, Aaron Parecki, who's one of the other, <laughs> the only other people that still uses Foursquare. I, I was going to say, like, I could see where f- for very unique people like you and, and Aaron Parecki who are really into compiling your own personal data something like foursquare would be useful that's i mean that's what i mainly use it for yeah um i also it's pretty much the thing that keeps me going to the gym because i have like an 87 week streak or something of going to the gym every week and now i can't break it so Ah. i actually like got back and i was I was jet lagged and I went to the gym at 9.30 p.m. on oh a Sunday God. night because it was the last possible moment I could go and not lose my streak for the week. Hmm. So, Record held. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And also, but like some shame went into it. Okay. Because okay. I was like, I was like, really? I care this much about not losing this streak? Because <laughs> I was like, I also was like, all you have to do is you could go run for 10 minutes. You just mm-hmm. have to go to the gym and right. check in. Like, there's no, like... You I could run <laughs> to the gym to check in. Yeah. Well, I live two blocks away, so it's, it's like, extra bad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, but, okay. Hold on. We're not going to talk about Foursquare forever. But <laughs> I'm, I travel around the world so much. This is kind of cool, is that you can see oh, okay. everywhere I've oh, been. Oh, how many so times? So you can, like, literally yeah. see... Ver- per place or something yeah well you can zoom in and see like every place i went to so Mm -hmm. like when i'm back in a city i can go and be like oh i had that really awesome cafe last time Mm -hmm. i was in 
Dubai or whatever. Like, let mm-hmm. me go look it up because who remembers the name of like? Oh, I don't ever remember the names of the cafes in Dubai. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it just I clicked for me. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that sounds useful. I also use it when I, the first time I'm in a new city because so essentially all my tech hipster friends are the only ones left using Foursquare. Like not even like the hipster ones, like just the super nerds. Yeah. Um, but what's cool about the it data is, trackers. Yeah, the data trackers. Um, and what's cool about it is that when you're in a city, you can see which of your friends has been to a cafe. So I can look mm. up all the cafes near me, and then I can see which friends have been there and okay. like. I have this like ratio when I'm in a European city. If like more than five of my Foursquare friends have been there, that means it's a good cafe for working on your oh, laptop. Oh, okay. Right on. So, yeah. and you'd you'd know where to like go check out, and you could go stick it to Aaron Parecki and be like, That's- I have I have dethroned some people <laughs> in, in countries I don't live in, oh. and felt really smug about it. <laughs> I'm the mayor of Amsterdam. My parents' house is a Foursquare bar. It's labeled as a or a Foursquare like it's labeled as a bar and okay. it's a Foursquare venue. Okay. And um, Aaron, my father, and I are all in competition to be the mayor of the bar. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of bars, um, you too can be your own mayor. <laughs> there you go. Of uh, beer mongers located at Southeast Twelfth and Division, our generous beer and beverage sponsor for the episode. What do you What are you having over there, Lillian? Um, I am having a delicious Lionheart Raspberry Harvest kombucha, and it's actually really good. Excellent. I'm having a Petrus aged ale, or uh, aged pale, uh, product of Belgium. Speaking of traveling, yeah, and I I actually procured a Happy Mountain kombucha. Um, well, I should say it was procured for me. Thank yeah. you, Guthrie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yes, you may not be the mayor of Stream PDX, but at the Beermongers, you're always the mayor. So go or, check them out. something like that. And we've got our <laughs> meetup coming up in, on, in uh, December, so hope, hope for yeah, folks to join us there. Come hang out. Meet up with us. <laughs> Anything else you're up to this week, Aaron? Um, I rented a car for this whole weekend Okay, uh, to to more easily get back and forth from vancouver Mm -hmm. i i don't like it how who did you go through (laughs) uh we we just went through hertz actually um i might scrub that name but we we just went through like you know a commercial car rental okay uh it was much easier and cheaper um by a good amount than uh, some of the car sharing Michael Anderson, back when he was doing the Portland Foot podcast with me, he mm-hmm. actually yeah. did a break-even analysis on all the different ways to get a car. If you like, don't like Zipcar, Car to Go, mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. uh, you know, and he did the car rental agencies, and he figured out like the exact number of hours, also how much time spent parking the car versus driving the car because yep. Car to Go. That's oh, really yeah. important. Oh yeah, and that's super important. Um, and he figured out a break-even analysis for all that. I like. Really, Is it posted? I you know. I don't Portland Foot like the website I think went down a, a little while ago, yep. but it might be back up now. And okay. if you like Google Portland Foot break even, yeah. you oh, might be able gosh. to find it. Yeah, or uh, possibly out. also available in the Internet Archive if they've got his site listed. Yes, yes. Oh, I miss Portland Foot. <laughs> <laughs> Me as well. That was actually the first thing that I ever like tied into here in town was oh, really? when they were doing the Portland Foot scavenger hunt. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that was what my crazy scavenger hunt was yeah. based on. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, I looked it up. I've been to beer, beer mongers 26 times. Fun fact. Ooh. But... I have that in Foursquare. That's why <laughs> I brought it up. <laughs> but not the mayor. I'm not the mayor. Oh, no, I haven't been there long enough because, um, you know, we used to have the podcast studio down right a there. block away. Yeah. And so, and I worked at the IPRC, which was a block from there. So, 
now it's not my neighborhood no. anymore. Yeah, it is a little bit harder to get there for us, but worth it. Southeast Division and 12. <laughs> the beer mongers. The beer mongers. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So, Lillian, you just got back from Siberia. I did. We mentioned that. That is not hyperbole. Yeah. But before we talk about Siberia, let's talk about cats and cash. I'm making a really excited face right now. And, uh, yeah, you are. This is great. <laughs> and David Bowie. Uh, yeah. And there's, all, there's this, always a little bit of David Bowie in it for me. Uh, listeners may know me in the past from uh, 10 years ago. I started the Bowie versus Prince bike ride, which is was a really massive bike ride in Petalpalooza in Portland, which for my own sanity, they both died and I decided it was time to end it <laughs> after nine years. Um, it also, it, I think it found like a natural resting point. That's how I felt. Yeah. Other people maybe didn't feel that. Interesting. That, but those I, people were not sentiment. in charge of a place to find to put 1,500 people at 2 a.m. in all their bikes. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, put them in Siberia. <laughs> yeah. Dude, there's lots of places for bikes in Siberia. Uh, yeah. I, I want to talk more about bikes and Russia. But before then, uh, yeah. So my cat thing that I'm doing now, the cat themed thing I'm doing is that I uh, am releasing a illustrated workbook for personal finance, or I like to call it personal finance. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'm releasing it on Kickstarter, so I'm getting pre-orders, um, and I'm not the greatest illustrator, so part of the reason I'm doing a Kickstarter is because I'm paying... To hire a hil- illustrator. Actual really talented <laughs> oh. illustrators. I'm so excited about it. Um, but do, we, yeah. do we know the illustrator? Um there's two illustrators. I can't mm. say their names yet. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, no worries. I'm waiting to get some things inked, but I'm really excited to announce them when I do, but um, you you might know them. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm super, I'm super excited about it. So essentially it's like a money workbook. It's called Get Your Money Together Workbook, um, also known as a personal finance workbook and uh, personal finance. I, I like how every time you say that you have this huge grin on I your face. I know because it's so fun. <laughs> Cat puns are d- delightful to make. So the the video for the Kickstarter was how many cat puns can we fit in the video? And we actually did a cat pun counter in the video oh, really? that like counts oh, every I didn't time see I make this. it. I should I should yeah. watch this now. Uh, and the Kickstarter is live presently. It's live. Okay. Yeah, we uh, we launched launched on ten ten and okay. uh, we got. 70% funded the first 24 hours, which is awesome. That's yeah. badass. Uh, and in the Kickstarter world, that is a good sign. Yeah. No, it was a really good. I mean, people have been phenomenal. I'm actually at the point where I know almost no one backing the Kickstarter at this point. Like, it's <laughs> taken a life of its, you know, the early support was a lot of people that, like, supported my work anyway or listened to my podcast, which is about personal finance. Okay. Um, and And then now it's at the point where it's, like, you know, I the names come in and I have no idea who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, they're just people who really like cats and and or really need to get their money together. <laughs> both both two market segments desperately in need of, of financial management. <laughs> I know it's so great. Um, I I think the so the reason I did this because I I've, I've been teaching personal finances like my my business for about a year and before that it was sort of my side hustle I did and the main the main thing that I realized is that like one, everybody needs to learn this stuff. Like everyone needs to like, at some point sit down with their money and be like, Oh, what am I doing? (laughs) Do I have a Mm -hmm. plan? Um, like all of us need to learn it regardless of your income. You need to have like some sort of a healthy relationship with your money. And for a lot of us, it takes a lot longer to get there than we would like. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it's really hard to find stuff that like acknowledges that this is scary and hard Mm -hmm. and that like, 
dealing with money for a lot of us is like really emotionally fraught, even when yeah. we don't want it to be like we don't want to admit that it is. Yeah. Um, and it has it has very little to do with income. Like I know plenty of people that make, you know, good money, high incomes that have, you know, really screwed up relationships with money. And I know a lot of people that, you know, make less money, but feel really comfortable and feel like they've, you know, got it got it figured out and dialed in and um it they've, has they've perfected their method perfected nice. well and there's no such thing as you know it's it's a it's a working thing right like money money is a continual like you don't get to like learn this one day and stick it on a shelf and then never use it again because mm-hmm. it's it's a thing that you're constantly engaging with you're constantly making decisions it's not your college prerequisite math yeah, yeah. That, well mm-hmm. and unfortunately we don't teach it which is a different rant but uh, <laughs> you know that we don't require it in school but um and and so I I ended up doing the cat thing mainly because even if you don't like cats in person, most people are pretty okay with cats on paper. Mm-hmm, sure. um, and it does sort of disarm the uh, yeah the sort of the stress of finance. That's yeah. part of the reason I dress up like David Bowie when I teach personal mm-hmm. finance is that like mm-hmm. I find a little bit of spandex helps the four hundred one k allocations <laughs> go down like yeah. like because it's so it's so hard to deal with this and people. They walk into a personal finance presentation, especially if they've been like forced to go for mm. college credit or for work, which are the two situations I'm often mm. in. And they, they you don't c- have anyone coming in because their partner dragged them. That to go. also happens yeah. frequently. Okay. Uh, I mean, has like, anybody ever taken their cat to one of your presentations? No, but I wish. I mean, my cat has to listen to me practice in my house okay. all the time. She's <laughs> an, the first time. For she's everything. an expert on Roth IRAs. Like, <laughs> like she, she knows it back and forth. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and she really enjoys rolling around in piles of money, as we discovered when filming the <laughs> Kickstarter video. Do you have any celebrity cat endorsements, like Grumpy Cat or? Or I other can't such. afford them, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> celebrity cats are expensive. <laughs> Uh, no, I wish, I wish that I could get a celebrity cat endorsement. That would, so if anybody has any connections to celebrity cats and is listening to this, I have some personal finance that I would love to sell, sell your cats. So slightly tangential, there was a touring group that came through here. The, uh, the Acro Cats. Yeah. Have you seen them? Um, I saw them because they also raised money on Kickstarter. And so I like, (laughs) by the way, best possible research I had to do for this. I watched almost every cat themed video on Kickstarter (laughs) that like has been on there in the past like eight years. Nice. Research, quotation mark. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and gathering of cat puns. Yeah. (laughs) Was there a, was there a, how many cat puns did it get to? I guess, I guess. Folks should watch the video to discover. They should, they should watch the video. Okay. I'm going to leave this a mystery. Okay. Yeah. 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 Is it in the triple digits? No. Oh, Lord. No. I mean, it's a short okay. video. <laughs> you can only, only squeeze so many cat yeah, puns yeah, in two like, minutes. Okay. Well, and it turns out a lot of cat puns work well on paper and not that well spoken. Uh, like, because okay. a lot of cat noises are, like, relatively hard to pronounce mm-hmm. around other words. Ah. I'm trying to think of one of them that I was really trying for, and I just... Ugh. I can't remember what it was. I no just could not. I could not get it out. And we finally just were like, we have to take this out of the take. You can't. You, you can't, can't say that it. word. It's not <laughs> working. Um, yeah. It turns out that like meows and purrs are cats are better at them than humans. Hmm. So. This makes sense. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, I have a cat themed personal finance book because I'm a totally normal person with totally normal <laughs> hobbies. <laughs> so well, well, let's go back to the, sort of the nexus between cats and. Bowie and finance, like these sort of not only are just sort of interesting to you, but also a way to kind of like make the pill a little bit easier to swallow. That's, I mean, that's 
entirely the goal of it, right? Like, this is generally one of the things I find in all of my, like, professional things that I've worked on is... I think there's a snowblower outside. I was going to say, someone, like, driving a lawnmower? <laughs> I think, uh... <laughs> I think we're just into the flight path of semi-occasional PDX uh, touchdowns for this area of town. Oh, interesting. Could be me, but if anybody's a good Cessna sound identifier. Siri, what flights are overhead right now? What? She'll tell you that? She knows the... Siri's checking for us right here. She says... That 33 degrees up at an altitude of 3,600 feet is Alaska Air Flight 259. Is that a prop plane? I know. Um, so, like, just over on 9th and uh, going there, we get we get a prop, like, a few times a week there. So uh, I was wondering if it was maybe the same. Because we're could be. somewhat close by. But. Um, do you want me to... Do we care enough? Should I look up if this flight is a prop plane or not? Um, if it's 35... Well, it'll, it'll, it'll bother me. Okay. All right. <laughs> It'll bother me until <laughs> until we find out. I'm I'm <clears throat> suspecting since it's an Alaska air flight, it probably is. Yeah, because uh, it might be one of the Alaska Horizons just doing the jump between Seattle yeah. and PDX there, uh, or Eugene and PDX. Oh, Speaking yeah. of Alaska Air, so this mm-hmm. is something that happened. Okay. Bought tickets to go to Michigan for nice. Thanksgiving. Going to go visit mom and the family. Okay. With Anna, this is the first time Ooh. she's going to be. Is this the first Where? time she's met the family? or Not the first time okay. she's met the family. That was in Hawaii at my brother's wedding. Gotcha. But uh, this will be the first time she's in Michigan where, like, I grew up, you know, and going to do the whole, like, hometown tour thing. Excellent. But Alaska just, you know, launched this new deal where if you box up your bike, your full-size bike, they will take it. For just five extra dollars. What? That's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I Holy mean, crap. No we're like, we're like, oh, we got, we're going to Alaska. We got to take Bromptons with us because mm-hmm. you know yeah, she yeah. works for Clever, who who rents out Bromptons. And then it dawned on me just this weekend. Wait, we don't have to rent out Bromptons. Hmm. We just have to box up our bikes. Is oh, the holy crap? I'm so... so I fly. So I'm flying Alaska literally three times in the next three weeks. You, oh, you should look into boxing up your bike. This is a this is or also a, a Brompton. A economic question too, because is it worth the opportunity cost of the time investment, of, or is it just box, worth it? both boxing yeah, and, and unboxing? Ch- yeah. Which I would well, say is well, totally worth it because that's <laughs> well, freaking cool. <laughs> I mean, but also consider like how Amtrak in the sky. It is so like oh, yeah. you know if your if your alternative is that you're going to be doing transit wherever you're at or bike yeah. share, then you know an hour of boxing up my bike. And unboxing totally worth is, it. yeah. So the thing is, is it almost always snows Thanksgiving weekend <laughs> in Southeast Michigan. Okay. So maybe you don't need the bikes. Or maybe I need to box up the fat bike. Oh my Ooh. God. <laughs> Take the ogre well, out for well, a like, stroll. You know, I don't know if Nathan Jones is still renting out fat bikes. We could rent one from him, take that apart, box it up, mm-hmm. take ours, box it up. We got two fat bikes rolling around. Thank that you. is... The one way, you know, we talk about, you know, making the pill a little bit easier to swallow. That would be the one way to give Anna the hometown tour and not, like, stress the fuck out for myself. Like, <laughs> uh, that sounds really fun. It. Yeah, you should definitely do it. <laughs> I, I, I have... is this, is Does it Anna a... have access to fat bikes at Clever? Do they sell any fat no. bikes? 
No. I thought they might because they, they, they just they could, they sell weird bikes. Right. So like, they could get a hold of it, you yeah. know? But not just for an employee no. to borrow for a weekend. No, yeah. nothing mm-hmm. like that. I um, say you should go for it. <laughs> yes. Update on the it's, prop plane. Yes. It's not. It's not it a It was a plane. Boeing 737-700. Oh. So. so that noise is still a mystery. Yep. We still don't know. Someone was definitely driving a lawnmower past us. Fair enough. Night. Fair enough. Um, what was I talking about before we got distracted by planes? <laughs> um, cats. Cats. Bowie. Stress about finances. Oh, yeah. People being dragged to your... Uh... Yeah. I mean, so the reason I started doing this, like, I started, I started teaching with kind of this angle on it was because in all of my the professional stuff that i've done a lot of what i have to do is make something wonky accessible to people so like like an example of a thing i had to do at my previous job which i actually think we had talked about on a a sprocket podcast like five years ago but um I deep cuts. Yeah, super deep cuts is Raiders of the Lost Archives. Oh yes. Yeah, when I was a zine librarian, we literally designed a game that was like a Yeti trapped in a forest and then had people stay up for twenty four hours. Like people came organizing zines. People traveled internationally to stay up for twenty four hours to then compete with each other to do data entry. It's data I mean they were doing data (laughs) entry. Like they were cataloging zines for the library, but so like did you get any like super characters who were like, I've cataloged this in all of these locations and like Portland and the zine is my my final like crowning glorious I, I mean we got a lot of characters but okay. not that specific character okay. <laughs> um, cuz like there's got to be like a certain like interest and passion pursuit of people seeking this out um i mean we got a lot of li- librarians Excellent. so you know we got a lot of archivists and librarians the iprc has um over 50,000 things waiting to be cataloged okay. um and a lot of those date back to the 1930s or 40s it's so like there's the... really interesting archival stuff in there okay. yeah. we had a gay nazi zine Wow. What? Which was like, there was a really tough discussion about like, is this fit our collection policy? Yeah, right, yeah. But it's also like really interesting from an archival perspective, right? Hmm. So, a, yeah. I mean, just the fact that something like that even existed mm-hmm. at, at some point in time in history is really right. weird. And Which also drives home like how excellent zines are, like as, right. a, as <laughs> a piece of media overall. Uh, which is why I have a cat scene. Um, also... <laughs> One of the one of the add-ons for this is Law Cat's Guide to Life, which is a zine that is um, a friend who's a licensed paw attorney. And <laughs> oh yes, I've I've tweeted at Law Cat before. Yeah, so yes. he he has an excellent Twitter, which is Ask Law Cat. Yes. Um, law spelled L A W, not lol. Uh, <laughs> no lol cats allowed. He answers legal questions with cat pictures and huh. actual legal advice. Okay. Um, but he's putting together a whole zine on like basic legal stuff you needed to know as an adult with cat pictures. And so <laughs> it's like, it covers like, you know, driving and, um, no, you don't get a free phone call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's covering essentially like the things you need to know, like, yeah, arresting at protests and, um, like what, what sexual consent looks like. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I think it's going to be super interesting. I'm that's really awesome. excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's one of the add-ons for the campaign that you can get if you're really excited about cat zines. Um, and then we also got custom print money cat bow ties. So like really? actual like money print fabric hmm. bow ties for your cat made by mm. Business Catchable, which is a <laughs> local... This Port- is a real company. This is a local yeah. Portland business. Um <laughs> Run by a dear friend of mine who's lovely. And it just gets like better and better. I I think I put together 
I, as someone who de- delights in whimsy and also in personal finance, I feel mm-hmm. like I put together a really good Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept having these moments where I was like, am I delighted by this? I am. Okay. This must be like, that, that means at least one person is going to be delighted right. by this. So, yeah. Um, and people seem to, seem to really like it. Um, and, you know, the other reason I did it is just how little personal finance education out there caters to like life now mm-hmm. like a lot of it is like kind of assumes that you have like one full-time job with a 401k or a pension right. yeah or like or you're not in a queer relationship like they don't even cover like co-parenting oh. you know co-parenting in a queer relationship or it's, co-parenting it's not your when you're not married money guide or like yeah there's a there's a ton of different ways in which like your finances and your financial planning are different now than the average personal finance book caters to Mm -hmm. um and you know one of the i think best resources out there for personal finance is unfortunately like a dude in his 60s who's an evangelical christian who hands you a bunch of like christian theology and patriarchal crap along Mm. with along with the uh, financial advice and like i i like Christians, but I certainly don't want to be proselytized to when I just want to find out, yeah. you know, like, like, how do I balance my checkbook? Right, exactly. Jesus is not going to balance my checkbook for me. Yeah, and he, like, you know, doesn't yeah. let doesn't let queer marriages into right. his classes and also, oh, like, wow. tells women to stay home. <laughs> like, you know, things that are just, like, I don't, I don't want that to be the only opportunity yeah. out there for people to get personal finance education. And a lot of the other stuff is, like, caters to super high-income people. You okay. know, it's, mm. like, telling you how to do trade lines and stuff that people making normal amounts of money don't mm. need to worry about. And <laughs> is there... Do you think that there's this assumption with, with uh, <clears throat> financial advice and financial books that there's this assumption that you've already like got to some level of stability or, or some level of income. Yeah. But that's a terrible time to start dealing with your money, right? Like one, here's the thing. The reason I never focus on like money, general money saving tips, like how to save money on just stop buying Starbucks every day is because if you're low or median income, you, especially if you're poor, you know how to, you know yeah. how to use your you money figured well. figured that, right. that shit like, out like, already. That is like, it's, it's a by basic, necessity. It's a yeah. basic survival instinct, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, and you, you make these choices all the time because money is scarce and you figure it out. And you're also pretty good at figuring out how to generally yeah. save money on things, um, which is why I don't focus on that. Because the stuff you need to deal with, regardless of your income level, is like not being ashamed when you open your checking account or like avoiding opening your bills because you don't want to look at them and you kind of feel like well if they just stay over there then they're not real Mm -hmm. like you know like that kind of stuff you have to do before you can get to anything and values are so important for the budget even if you have a really high income you have to have a conversation about your values because nobody has an infinite amount of money Mm -hmm. even the richest people in the world don't have an infinite amount of money they have to make choices so it's less about it's less about uh how much you're making and what you're spending it on so much as it is about like what do you care about what do you care about and how do you how do you express that with your money yeah Hmm. i mean it's money is an expression of value like literally it is an expression of value and uh, a lot of people get really caught up and really overwhelmed with the numbers and they're like, oh, my God, I need to be saving 15 percent and I need to allocate 80 percent to stocks and 20 yeah. percent, you know. And, and do you think or, it's just easier for people to like latch onto those as, yeah. as values or? Well, I don't think that people latch onto them as values. I think they're scared. OK. And and 
they have been told that money is about numbers. Okay. And especially if you're someone that doesn't consider themselves good with numbers or good with money, mm-hmm. then you you just decide that it's not for you and so you put it off and you don't deal with it. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of the people in my classes, you know, they have ADD and so like they've that often manifests in a lot of disorganization around money. And often they well, have you, the money, right. they just like forget about paying bills and mm. stuff like that. And they just need a system that works for them. And sometimes it's as simple as like, okay, all your cash spending is now in colored envelopes. <laughs> and like, maybe you're going to be pu- the one c- pulling out envelopes of cash at the grocery store, but you're also not going to be overdrawing your checking account. Yeah, like, totally. you know, and like, you're going to like make a system that works for you. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm also really into color. I just generally am into color-based things for people with ADD. A lot of my clients have ADD. <laughs> so, so um, I, maybe not next level, but have you considered colored envelopes based off of cat coats? <laughs> oh. Okay, so I have... You've got like a calico you, you the envelope ta- for... The tabby envelope. Yeah. I have two dreams. I have two dreams. One of them is like a literal cash envelope system that's like letter-pressed and it has cats on it and it's like envelopes for your money that fits in your wallet that like has a little spiral binding i gotta fund the book before i start <laughs> fantasizing about <laughs> right, right. other cute cat Walk themed before you yeah. run yeah. yeah and then the other thing i really want to do is merit badges okay so i really want like budgeting merit badges um you know budgeting and like i set up my 401k today and mm-hmm. like you, you know like because i i'm really into gamification and i know a lot of people think mm-hmm. think that like it's not a real adult accomplishment if you need some congratulations for it. And like, you should just be self-motivated. No one is freaking self-motivated to set up a, a Roth IRA. Like not like no one comes out of the womb knowing what a Roth IRA is. And you like, you, you, that's maybe the only time you're intrinsically motivated actually is just coming uh, out of the womb. Right. I wouldn't even say motivated. I'd say more like, dis- like people are actively discouraged when that word comes up. Right. Right. And, and like, so I think it's fine to, to have to build in reward systems for yourself and if that involves cats and merit badges it's freaking fine oh yeah so I'm picturing- i would i would rather people not be broke <laughs> you yeah, know right, like right. i would rather they not be broke and crying to me about money <clears throat> like that so if it takes cats have to you that. have you ever had like some real emotional like uh uh, reactions or or oh interactions? all the time yeah I, this stuff is emotional i mean yeah. people cry in personal finance classes all the time really yeah no it's really hard Hmm. i mean i so i try not to do a lot of this but i do a little bit of like one-on-one financial coaching because i'm i'm also a tax preparer but i'm not a practicing tax preparer but i I used to be certified well no certified tax preparers many levels below cpa um but the uh you know and i I used to do them for free as part of the low-income tax prep program every year um and so yeah i end up sitting with people while they like literally just am the person that holds their hand while they log into their student loan account and mm-hmm. figure out how to set up payments yeah. because we all do this right you know maybe you don't have as much shame around this as someone but like we all are taught things about money when we're growing up mm-hmm. we're given messages about money whether or not it was explicit right you know uh-huh. maybe our parents hid spending from one another and we learned that it was like shameful or huh. maybe you always heard oh we don't have enough money even when it was like fairly obvious to you that you you did have money hmm. you know or or you like you have a lot of associations with like you know they're everyone else always has more than you or everyone mm-hmm. else always has less than you and you should never talk about money. Like you yeah. learn all of these, you're constantly learning and you're constantly picking these things up. And 
you don't you don't really realize it manifests until you're 28 and you realize, yeah. <laughs> like, yes. you know, and you're like, oh, crap, I, you know, I don't have a financial plan or I constantly am overspending because money was always scarce and or you can't take it with you when you die. So you might as well spend it now. Right. Like, right. You know, you mm-hmm. and yeah. So people cry about this stuff all the time. That makes a ton of sense, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. I'm an emotional robot, so I'm a good person to help with it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Except uh, when it comes to cats. Yeah, I'm not an emotional robot when it comes to cats. <laughs> My favorite. So how long does this Kickstarter uh, have until its funding period is uh, wrapping up here? Uh, funding period is wrapping up on November 18th at uh, 9 p.m. Pacific. Okay. And um, we're actually going to end with a live podcast um that's also going to be broadcast on the internet uh video streamed we're going to film it in the television studio here at open signal nice um and it may be live on the radio as well still working that part out but um yeah so we're i haven't actually figured out the ticketing for it yet but it will be on ohmydollar.com slash kickstarter i'll definitely announce it um on the kickstarter when it's happening but yeah you could pencil that in we only have 40 seats but it's free so oh my dollar dot com dot com slash kickstarter slash kickstarter yeah. twitter at oh my dollar twitter at oh my dollar or at anomaly <laughs> either of the two either of those are fine <laughs> uh, you don't really separate your your business twitter and your personal boundaries twitter all that much. between work and the rest of my life have always been a problem for me and I it's mean. even harder when you're like self-employed and your job is dressing up like bowie and making cat <laughs> Like, where do I end and everything else begin? I don't know. Because I've been developing a Kickstarter for people who have difficulty with boundaries between work and home life. And uh, we should talk now. I was, um, when I was having my caffeine freak out that I wish an app would have prevented today. Oh, yes. uh, And I was laying on the floor of my home office going, why do I make everything so hard on myself? Uh, As referenced, I don't know, maybe eight sprocket podcast episodes again i threw a citywide scavenger hunt for my freaking right. birthday party because i'm a crazy person <laughs> um i i was laying on the floor and i was just like some people they just have jobs and they go to their jobs and then they leave their jobs and they have hobbies and, and they're nothing alike <laughs> <laughs> and they get paid to just show up somewhere mm-hmm. and i was like oh this sounds so pleasant <laughs> But I don't actually know what that's like. <laughs> so um, it's a it's a pretty good life. Yeah, it it is. And, yeah, and I guess it's, that to me is the definition of a catch twenty two, though. Like oh well, it, to like, me it's like it's the grass is greener on the other side. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like exactly. I can, everybody that I can says they want to work catch for themselves. Myself. Yeah, I could easily catch myself thinking like, and here's Lillian like traveling all over. She gets paid to go to Canada and speak in a mm-hmm. David Bowie costume. You know, anyways. I No, I mean, I also have those moments with my own life, like, right. where I'm like, I'm like, you're really freaking lucky that someone is paying you to do this. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, I could make a lot more money working a lot less. <laughs> 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 and I could buy a lot more Bowie costumes. <laughs> and so uh, we were talking a bit before we rolled the tape here, but it sounds like you may also have some plans or machinations in terms of not working less, but possibly working more, uh, like radio-wise, and, oh, yeah. and some oh, of those yeah. stations and such. Uh, so we should probably mention my, I have a yes. podcast as well. Uh, so oh My Dollar Oh podcast. My Dollar weekly podcast comes out on Mondays. Um, we're also on the radio on Friday mornings in Portland. Um, we're syndicated a couple other places that I don't really know, but we're on X-Ray FM That's in Portland. cool that you got syndicated. Like, how did you get that hooked up? Uh, just a lot of hustle. And <laughs> So you can't say fuck. 
or, or shit or anything like that. Um, no, no. We oh, have, FCC rules. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, even my old podcast, um, the only time we ever cursed on it was in the five years that we put out the Portland Afoot slash bike changed Portland. into Bike Portland yeah. podcast mm-hmm. uh, was the Sprocket crossover episode. <laughs> where we did a crossover episode, and the um, we did a director's... Rocket podcast, bringing everyone down to our level. <laughs> For the three-year anniversary of the podcast, we realized we had never listened to our pilot episode, and so we got drunk and did a director's cut, um, where we, like, listened... <laughs> you, like, did your own commentary? Yeah. We, like, <laughs> listened to it, and... Or was it like, gee, I was really sober when I recorded this? <laughs> it was more like, we were like, oh, it's so cute. We've gotten so much better at this. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Well, and it was like our our podcast was very like topical in a lot of ways. Like yeah. Sprocket often is where we'd talk about, but we would talk about like local transportation issues. So three years later, like things had changed a ton. Yeah. Like we were covering a bike share system that didn't happen. And then oh, another right. one didn't happen in between that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then in the meantime, we got one. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. It still hadn't yeah. come out by the time. Uh, right, so, right. Um, but uh, yeah, so those are the only two times we curse. So anyway, I'm used to not cursing. I can handle it. Good job. Most of the time. <laughs> Occasionally I'm editing and I'm like, oh, well, I said something good, but then I cursed and I guess can't use that. <laughs> but, Excellent. Uh, but yeah, I'm working on I'm working on much bigger syndication. That's cool. Fish to fry, I hope. But if you need any personal finance, it's only a 15-minute show every week. So. And you also take questions. We do. So yes. any listeners can write in or call in. Um, you can leave us a voicemail. Um, and yeah, can leave us a message and I will answer financial questions on the air. Nice. So unrelated to finances, you yeah. also just got back from Siberia. I and did. We should talk about traveling in Siberia a little bit, uh, yeah. at the risk of making this a, a two hour podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I still think we it. should. Yeah. I think I still, I think we should. Hey, the, the power's yeah. on. The heater's going. <laughs> That's play. right. It's, it let's is, talk about I Siberia. I have to wake up at 5 a.m. to dress like Bowie to go <laughs> Let's talk about Siberia as long as you want to talk about <laughs> Siberia. Um, so I, I'll describe the trip. I'll explain the trip, I guess, uh, which is that I did this trip entirely by train all the way from Dublin to Shanghai, China. <laughs> so, And the purpose of this was just... just to do it or for funsies yeah <laughs> no and and i think that's great like as opposed to like trying to i don't know like break a record or mm-hmm. um you know this wasn't part of like an oh my dollar you know eastern european tour I, or... so i did we did record some episodes <clears throat> i recorded an oh my ruble and an oh my yen episode <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> yeah. was it recorded on the train um uh no oh, okay. you actually can't Fun fact, I learned while spending six days on a train straight, mm-hmm. you can't really record podcast audio on a train. It's just too loud. Fair oh, enough. okay. Fair um, yeah, I spent a lot of time on trains, and I was like, wow, you really can't record on here. Mm-hmm. Is it something um, like you just tune out until like you until go to you, record like, it, and then you realize, like, oh, this... Put a oh, lav mic on, and yeah. you're like, oh, my God. Actually, mm. um, so a little bit about the like actual trips. So I went through 13 countries total. Um 12 of those on train. South Korea was a stopover on the plane ride on the way home. Um and one of those countries is Wales, which is a real country. They really want you to know that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I ever doubted that it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's your impression after visiting Wales. <laughs> I mean, it's cute that everything's in Welsh, even though almost <laughs> no one speaks Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Oh, gosh. Uh, I actually started in Ireland, so I started at a conference. That's the whole reason the trip started in uh-huh. Ireland. Like, otherwise, I had planned to do this Trans-Siberian Railway from Moscow to Beijing, and then, like, oh, let me just get all the way to Moscow by train just happened because I started in Dublin, <laughs> um, and I was there for... But you can't take a train from Dublin to Moscow. There was one ferry involved, okay. so I took a ferry from um, Dublin to Hollyhead, England. Uh-huh. Um, and it was one of the Irish fairies ferry. It was like, I didn't know that boats were this nice, especially boats that you're, are not like cruise ships. Right. But it was like. Transit vessels. It was, it was just, it was just a ferry. It's just it, a ferry. Its purpose is to get you from across. Yeah. Well, it's not the English channel, but uh, across. The Irish from, sea. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, no, I mean, it's crazy. It's like, it's got like a casino and multiple bars and a movie theater and like, many many levels and everything is named after ulysses because it was the ulysses ferry so like everything was james joyce themed which was like kind of odd um that uh, is really strange it was it was like kind of weird uh how how long was the passage not that long like four four and a half hours so um i actually ended up in a very long discussion with a guy who's works in england but he's irish originally and he was back visiting family and so he's done the passage Tons, you know, like mm-hmm. he moved to England 20 years ago. So, um, and he said that in the summertime, there is a ferry and we were just on the tail end of it. There's a ferry that leaves after we left and crosses us and arrives before we do because it's much faster, mm-hmm. but it can only run during the summer. So we were on like a big stable ship. Like okay. I was like unaware it was a boat that was moving unless mm-hmm. I looked out the window and really? saw water. Yeah. Like okay. it was like. It was did not so feel very like, much like a cruise ship in yeah, that respect. I mean, it was yeah. big boat. It was yeah. a big boat. Uh, like there were like multiple levels of things to get into the boat, like to cross, like to yeah. walk in. And how long? I'm sorry. How long of of a trip was this? Four and a half hours. That's See, nuts. Like yeah. Do they? Wow, they, they that's so interesting. Is it in that fashion? And I guess we're getting way into ferries here. But um. <laughs> yeah, and like I spent four and a half hours on a ferry for the whole thirty day trip, so I'm not an expert. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm just curious. Like, do they use it for other longer trips or that? Like, no, just that? No, that's just okay. what it is. Interesting. Um, and I don't think Irish ferries runs any long distance ferries. Other like that's. Wow. Okay. But I mean, that is kind of a long distance. But um, but the other one only takes like two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. But it can't. The Irish Sea is actually quite choppy in the winter. You don't want to so take your like, jet ski you, out there. You actually cannot take that boat outside of the summer. Like when uh, it's choppy, okay. it's like you would m- get real sick if you okay. try to take that. So it's worth the extra two hours to not that that boat can't. Okay. So. Um, yeah, that was really fun. Um, and then I like didn't really stop in Wales beyond my layover. Um, and got on a train there, took that train to London. Uh, so I was in Wales for like, I don't know, two and a half hours at the train station and just enough to figure out it was like mostly a country. Yeah. Yeah. I like, (laughs) I walked around Hollyhead a little bit. Like I was like, Oh look, there's a bridge and like downtown Hollyhead. And, um, so yeah, I don't know. It was kind of cute, but, um, and then, and then I just started taking trains. <laughs> I, I stopped in some countries. I don't know. I took a lot of trains. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the nicest train I took outside of the most important. Was it sleeper cars every time? Or no. no? I, so I was mostly doing it during the day. So okay. I um, stayed overnight in London. Um, and But I was in London for like 16 hours, which was a real shame, actually, because London's on sale right now because the pound is doing so poorly. Okay. Oh. So it was like actually really inexpensive to be in London, except transit, which is like, I is think it... it's the most per 
mile and per passenger and by everything in the world. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, really? It, I spent like more on transit the 16 hours I was in London, mm-hmm. which just to be clear, I was asleep for most of those hours. So like I like took it to the place I was staying and like one other place and then back to the train station. I spent more on transit there than I did all the times I was in the two weeks I was in Russia and China combined. Wow. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So... And it was a lot worse than the Moscow and Beijing subways, okay, uh, which were amazing. Um, so the yeah, the nicest train was a sleeper car, and I actually shelled out for first class because I had to take an overnight bus um, to avoid Belarus for complicated Russian visa military okay. oh, reasons. Really? Yeah, so I had planned to take the Warsaw to Moscow Express, which is like a pretty famous train. Like it's been in operation in various forms for like over a hundred years. Um, you know, getting rebooted every time there's a new country because, you know, <laughs> Soviet Union um, <laughs> wars. They had a couple wars in the past 100 years there. Um, but, yeah, it's like a really nice, beautiful train. I was really excited about it. And it goes through Belarus. Um, and you do have to get a visa for Belarus. But I was willing to get the transit visa. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, technically, the land border between Belarus and Russia, mm-hmm. third party nationals are not allowed to cross. Okay. Um, you so have to either be Belarus or Russian to yeah, cross? Yeah, because it's part of the Not Russian even... Union. Belarus oh, wow. is actually kind of like a baby <clears throat> country. To It's a colony, <laughs> essentially. Okay. It's, it's kind of a colony. It has it's like its a own, bigger version of... Uh... It has its own state government and okay. everything, but it's kind of, you know, it, it's under the part of the Russian. So they And they have freedom of movement between Belarus and Russia for Belarus and Russian citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's never been a problem. You've, people have been taking that train that are not Belarusian or Russian forever. Uh-huh. Um, but the Ukrainian occupation, I don't know if you heard about that, yep. but that's yeah. a thing. Um, and they're using the railways in Belarus a lot to move military supplies in and out of Ukraine for the re- Ukrainian occupation. And so there's a lot more military police around. Okay. And um, this is kind of getting into like more geopolitics than people really want to know. Probably. But Min- Minsk... Uh, <laughs> I'm digging it. Uh, (laughs) So Moscow like doesn't. So Belarus really wants to be like the train and transit hub of Eastern Europe. Oh, really? Because they're perfectly positioned for it. Right. And they've got a bunch of trains. Um, The Soviets built a ton of beautiful trains through that country. And so they that's like their dream and like one of their economic development things they want. But they apparently Moscow has been putting all this pressure onto Belarus to have these really outrageously expensive visa fees, mm. which make it hard for them to do it. Cause you, you have to get this transit visa. You can't, you know, yeah. the, it's not free. Um, and it was like $260 as of Whoa. Uh, just to, just to just go to through get the, it, just, just to, to get go the through visa. it, like not even to yeah. get off. What? Um, wow. Was and, it, was it like a fast pass even at that or it was additional paperwork? Oh no, there's not pretty, okay. paperwork. Lots of That's paperwork. Nuts. I mean, they were all Russia was crazy too. Like that, that was a, that was I've done a lot of visas and um I think it's probably the worst other than the United States for people that are not Americans, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is I mean, we're terrible, so everybody's oh, just yeah. giving us back what we're doling out. But the hey, um fair enough. Uh yeah, I was like complaining to a friend who's Jordanian um, and works in Portland and and it, like is working on her green card about these visas, and she's just like, "Just you're complaining because you're American." Like, I would, <laughs> I would like you to have some perspective. That's here. a fair, yeah. Totally. <laughs> I was like, fair "Yeah, point. your country's getting a travel ban, so I really can't." Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, 
Minsk decided to, the capital of Belarus decided to lower the price of the visas, and that uh-huh. made Moscow really angry. Right. Mm. So then Moscow military police are now getting on the train and kicking off foreigners occasionally Whoa. and making them pay a fine and then book a flight into Russia. Oh, damn. The only and you passport, avoided all of this because you... I went around you knew this okay. I went through yep, yep, three yep. countries okay. on an overnight bus, which granted was really cheap. It was like eight US dollars. <laughs> which is much <laughs> less than... Uh, yes. An overnight bus would cost <laughs> in the States, yeah. I went through um, Latvia and Estonia um, from Poland on mm. this overnight bus. Um, which wasn't even a sleeper bus. Like I assumed it would be a sleeper bus because it was overnight, but no, it was like a regular freaking bus. Um, It did have free coffee, so that was cool. It had like a coffee robot that would like make you lattes and stuff. Um, And I got to watch a bunch of um, movies with Latvian subtitles, which was kind of delightful. Like American movies with Latvian subtitles, I feel like. They still use the Cyrillic alphabet? Uh, Latvia, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've always liked the shape of those letters better. (laughs) I actually thought it was going to be hard to learn Cyrillic. um, (laughs) And I tried to ahead of the time and it wouldn't stick. And then once I was there, it turned out part of it was branding. I'd see Mm. all these American Uh. brands spelled in Cyrillic. And then I'd be like, oh, a P is an R. (laughs) Because like Burger King would like suddenly look like burper. Right. right. Yeah. 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 So it was, um, it actually, I like picked it up really easily to sound things out. I mean, obviously I learned pretty much no Russian other than I don't speak Russian Mm -hmm. and like a sad look on my face. Um, (laughs) uh, I mean, that was all. Was that to blend in? That was all of Russia. uh. It was just me going, what? Please help me. Uh. <laughs> uh, so would would you put it, or, or so I guess you could say, did you experience some pretty big like culture shock in that sense? So, because um, you have traveled quite a bit. Yeah, I've traveled quite a bit, and I I travel places where I don't speak the language quite a lot. But I started this trip was interesting because I started um, with like most comfort in the language, and then I moved farther and farther away from that. Because mm-hmm, like I sure. started in Dublin, went through England, English, English, went to. Went to through Belgium and France and then went to Germany and I speak German pretty well. Um, and then, you know, moved across and I got to Poland where I could like read things but couldn't speak Polish at all. Sure. And then like moved up Latvia and then I got to Russia and in Russia I could sound things out, but I couldn't. Everything else was hopeless. Mm-hmm. And then I got to China and I was like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Now I'm lost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can't read it. Maps don't work here. Uh, mm. <laughs> so, like, uh, but the thing about China that was really interesting was because I, uh, you know, a, just a, I'm obviously a foreigner moving like I'm not Chinese and, and I'm not ethnically Chinese. So uh, people, if they had any English at all, would switch because it's the international language, True. which is really frustrating for people that are not Chinese who don't speak English. Yeah. Oh, for, me, yeah. for me, it was really that was really nice. Um and Russia was Moscow uh, was I fell in love with it. Like hmm. I fell in love with cities really hard, but I actually yeah. expected to not love Moscow. Like mm-hmm. I was sort of like, oh, it's like kind of Russian. It's going to be like cold, and people are going to be really intense, mm-hmm. uh, and it's got bravado. This, yeah, and it's like really homophobic, and um, and it was like. I was doing my normal, I fell in love with the city thing where I was like, mm. I want to move here. I'm like <laughs> looking up visas for Americans on my phone. Ah. You know? uh, Checking cat documentation. Yeah, definitely. I was like, oh, there's lots of cats here. I should move here. Uh, no, I mean, it was it was fabulous. Like, mm. I loved Moscow. I wish. So I arrived on the train from uh, the overnight train from Lafayette which was amazing. I shelled up for first class because I had that overnight bus the night before. Right. And it was, I had a whole compartment to myself, like sleeper bed, 
did have a lot of conversations in my pajamas with uh, immigration officials because it was an overnight bus <laughs> or overnight train. So that was like awkward. Uh, like I don't speak Russian or Latvian and and you just woke me up. Uh, yeah, and I'm like you know sitting here not wearing a bra in my pajamas oh. <laughs> but here is my passport yeah. please leave me Here's alone my passport i have a visa i swear it's okay um, oh gosh but moscow is i mean the subway so it's it's the most um it's the most frequent subway in the world and it's um one of the most packed subways in the world and it's but this is what i didn't realize it is the one of the most beautiful places in the world, hmm. let alone the fact it is a subway. Oh, there yeah. are 44 national heritage places that are subway stations. I only got to go to 22 of them. Wow. And I spent like a whole day just going to subway stations. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, huh. The trains come every 90 seconds or sooner. <laughs> um, and all of the stations are individual works of art. Like, so this is the communists, right? Being like, we are going to bring art oh, the public to the works. common people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, totally. Um, although, it's also just a little bit of like, the Russians will put art anywhere. Like, yeah. you know, they're a very they're very culturally motivated people. Like, there's ballet dancing in the street, literally. Hmm. Um, but, the I mean, they, they tore down all the churches because they didn't like religion. And they took that marble and they turned them into subway stations. And so mm. there's stained glass windows like built into the subway stations they look like cathedrals <laughs> i mean like individual mosaics built into the ceilings and they all like represent because it's russia so everything's got this deep history so they like oh yeah there's all these stations named for countries <clears throat> in the soviet union that like tell the story through bronze statues wow. of the country wow like and also i mean it was particularly enjoyable that it would be like here is this amazing mosaic like massive mosaic like 50 to 100 feet tall mosaics are like built into the ceilings and they'd be like well Stal that was a mosaic of Stalin but then we decided <laughs> and so like then we made it Lenin <laughs> or like then we just made it a farmer <laughs> so about that uh, but and I didn't really know this but um, apparently like a large part of the reason they didn't suffer as much casualties in World War II in Moscow was because people lived underground in the subways. Oh. So there's all these pictures of, like, what looks like a beautiful marble library, but it's actually the subway station. And, like, they okay. literally had education centers and hospitals and dormitories all set up in the subway stations. Mm -hmm. 144 babies in the Soviet Union were born, were born underground, underground wow. during wow. the war. Um, so I, I don't know. Is I was amazed by the sub. I mean, the subways were also like really efficient and mm -hmm. great, and um, they weren't as easy to navigate for a foreigner as Beijing, but because mm. Beijing had the Olympics, and so they did a bunch of work. Oh, okay. yep. Um, but one of the did you you find that that dropped off pretty significantly outside of Beijing then? Um, I really so I mean I went through China on a train, but mm -hmm. I pretty much only went to Beijing and Shanghai okay. for any extended period of time. Beijing was a lot better than Shanghai okay. um, as far as navigating, but they were both better from a foreigner that speaks English perspective, um, and both way better with accessibility. So the Chinese government has put a lot of emphasis on accessibility and like wheelchair access, mm -hmm. and really blind access. I mean, they're not perfect. They are no. by no means perfect. Um, and like a lot of things in China, the aspirations don't quite match reality. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, Bits and spurts. like they'll have, they have all of these, like um, they have uh, textured things on the sidewalk that are 
that let blind pedestrians that you can use a cane so you can oh, you can so you see where, where yeah. the intersections are and what's yeah. coming up. But like sometimes those are just run into a tree. Like yeah. you know, oh. like you know, like oh. there's there's definitely like they could. But and, I mean, they had PSAs. Like they had like 20 minutes of PSAs on the subway just about accessibility hmm. with like this weird everything's cartoons in China everything they're yeah. they can turn everything to a cartoon <laughs> and the, so there's like a little cartoon character that like flies in and hmm. turns things into accessibility but that's great to hear um we didn't actually mention the long train yet no so i took a train from moscow i took the longest train in the world from moscow to this Beijing. is the trans-siberian railroad yeah so i or technically was on this, it something else it's there's three routes for that what people kind of refer to as the Trans-Siberian. Um, the one that's the Trans-Siberian goes to Vladivostok in Russia, but I decided Beijing sounded more fun. So uh, <laughs> I took what is called the Trans-Mongolian route, and it okay. goes through Russia, Mongolia, and China. Mm. Um, and I stayed on the whole way. I didn't get off. So I did six Does it go, and a- like, through the wall then? Uh, or, well, or you goes- do pass by the wall, okay. um, and then, yeah, but you don't, like... You can't get yeah, off and stop. Just... It's like right before the wall's right outside Beijing. So, mm, okay. um, yeah. But I did go to the wall. Um, you can take a public bus from downtown Beijing to the wall. Okay. Um, I went to the part of the wall that is described as the Dis- Disneyland of the Great Wall. <laughs> and yeah. it was perfect. There were like handrails. It was not like there was a lot of stairs, but it was yeah. like not a hard hike. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there was trash cans and water bottles. It was perfect amount of wall for me. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I guess, yeah, it, it, it goes, you know, pretty much through the length of the country. And so there's there's parts that are probably like out in the middle of nowhere well there's a most of it you're not technically allowed to access a lot of people do it but yeah there's only like um, more like historic site type like or just and like crumbling i mean it's like crumbling in a bunch of places where it's just not safe to Mm -hmm. be on but a lot of people go anyway and like it's very chinese in the way that they address it which is like they have signs posted that are like you are not allowed to be here please pack out your stuff like Uh, (laughs) you know like very like they admit that Nobody's going to follow the rules, right, but right. they at so least they, clean up yeah, after yeah. yourself. Yeah. Huh. Um, that's a very like I feel like that's a very Chinese way to handle yeah. things. Yeah. Um, also, signs they love signs and loudspeakers. <laughs> the whole country loudspeakers. Is Every small shop has a loudspeaker attached to it that just shouts at you in Chinese on a repeater. Every like advertising the shop. Or, yeah, okay. I guess presumably. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't uh, know a lot right. of Chinese. And then every so like. On all of the, this is, I mean, the Chinese government keeps their unemployment numbers low by just employing people to do things that maybe you don't need to employ people to do. To, like, shout through a loudspeaker, perhaps? Yeah, so the Beijing <laughs> subway has, for each direction of the subway, has, like, three to six people that all just stand at the subway station. And to be clear, they have those, like, glass doors that come in front that like block you from getting onto the track, you know, and then like Mm. open when the train arrives. So like there's, and there's plenty of signage. They, they, their philosophy is you can never have too many arrows. So like (laughs) there is so much signage, um, which makes it amazing as a foreigner, even, even if you don't speak English or Chinese, you've always got arrows. You've got arrows and colors and like you, you will be able to figure it out. Um, but then they still have like six people, for each side of the train who just wear a personal loudspeaker and a microphone and just shout at you <laughs> to tell you, like, it, despite the fact that they have By announcements. The <laughs> and then they have security officers on the train and often a person with a loudspeaker on the train. Mm-hmm. A regular bus has a person with a loudspeaker at the stop to shout at you to tell you where to go to wait for your bus. Okay. And then a person with a loudspeaker on the bus and a security officer and a driver. A regular bus. Right. Hmm. <laughs> 
So they the, love loudspeakers. They've got it dialed. Even the like, so I took the best, the best real, like best, best train, but it's almost not fair, was um, one of the fastest trains in the world, depending on who you talk to the fastest. Ooh. The high speed train from Beijing to Shanghai, mm-hmm. 220 miles per hour. So this, that's faster than the Shinkansen. It's real fast. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like cars on the highway were standing still. Like, we would go through stations that we weren't stopping at, and they're train stations. Like, everything's yeah. at this huge scale, and you couldn't even read the signs. before. Really? Like, that's how fast you were moving. Yeah. You couldn't even, like... Did you ever, like, did you feel like some sort of, like, physiological, like... If I looked uh, out the sensation? window too long, I yeah. felt kind of like my eyes were going to come out of my head because, you know, <laughs> normally you, like, watch things approaching right. when you're yep, moving yep. and then you, like, have time to process them. But there was, like, no time to process or, things. Just or like, in a plane, like, you're high enough up that, that it doesn't matter. Things move, yeah, yeah. D- in a different, yeah. Oh, it was crazy. Huh. But even but even the beverage cart lady had a loudspeaker attached to her. <laughs> I mean, and they played constant commercials of uh, about how awesome the train was and that it was made in China on the train, on repeat, along with cooking videos, because China. To be uh, fair, it sounds like a pretty excellent train. I mean, it was really nice. There were, like, flowers in the bathroom. And after being on the Trans-Siberian for six and a half days, it was really nice, because Trans-Siberian was not a clean train. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so the one that people generally think of the Trans-Siberian that goes to Vladivostok is run by the Russians. Um, I got on the Chinese-run train, so it runs on the same route, but it's operated by the Chinese. Um, but they switch the dining car in all the countries. So there's a Russian dining car, and then they switch it out. And it's like even the decor, like the whole car is different. Like, and, oh, the, okay. and the cook switches out. Um, and this is very, like, tells you a little bit about the culture that, like, the Russian one, like, didn't have a menu, and she constantly, like, would decide how much things were priced based on, <laughs> like, hmm. what Ed would, like, you know... Eh, you got a good face. Well, <laughs> yeah, and like was like way overcharging everybody who was a foreigner, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. to the point where nobody went back to the dining car after the first day. <laughs> did, I mean, did anyone like figure that out and try to like bargain it down, or is that also not well? Part of it, she didn't speak any other okay. languages other than Russian, so it was like, which is like her job is working on a dining car on a train that goes through that a has few a bunch countries. of foreigners. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and and so I I feel like. From a survival instinct, she maybe would learn at least the hounding version of mm. English that, like, <laughs> sure. everybody in China, all the shopkeepers in China, they don't really speak English. They just speak a particular version of English meant for bargaining and hounding sure. you. Yeah. Yep, okay. yep. You know? Hmm. Like, pretty lady, you want purse. Chanel. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that. Wow. Uh, but, yeah, and the bathroom was disgusting. I mean, it was like, I have traveled in trains in many many developing countries i've been in general compartment in india mm-hmm. like that was also disgusting yep. uh, i mean like <laughs> like almost all trains in asia um it's a it's a toilet that's just opens onto the tracks below Yo. you know where you're not oh, yeah. you're yeah. not allowed to use it like it's just a hole that yeah. like sucks it out onto the tracks uh. um which is like not so great for the country but it just it smelled terrible mm-hmm. yeah. um and so and like you didn't even want to be in there to like you know like do that do yeah. anything yeah. Yeah. like and um so yeah that was that was rough and like also the toilet smell kind of like permeated down the compartment mm-hmm. like it didn't 
So there was always just kind of a constant. My See, my lovely traveling companion was like, I'm going to get a perfume of the toilet smell to re- <laughs> remind me of the train. She was great. She'd done the Trans-Siberian, the Russian train, like two years earlier. Hmm. She was headed for a month in Mongolia to live in Yurts. She was Italian, and she's hilarious. Hmm. So, um, But yeah, I don't know. It was... It was very interesting. I the longest train trip I'd, I've done a lot of really long train trips. I've gone across the U.S. like more than twenty times by long distance train. Um, the longest I'd ever done continuously in a train is four and a half days. Mm-hmm. That is in fact my breaking point. Oh yeah! By four and a half days, I was like, I am ready to get off this train. <laughs> I am done. Six days was a little too time, long. Time yeah. to get it on an airplane. Yeah. yeah. I, no, I was just like, I would like to not have my life be determined in station increments of uh, 20 yeah. minutes where I could, like, get out and walk around. So Run around. How does, how does like, long-distance train in America measure up? Um... So I've only done sleeper... I understand this can be kind of a loaded question, well, but... Well, so it's... Culturally, it's just a different experience. There's different levels of expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing I will say, though, is that everybody has a bed to sleep on in the Trans-Siberian. Like, even if you're in Platzkart, which is, like, the lowest, like, it's, like, third class, mm-hmm. um, which they actually didn't have it on the Chinese train, but they do on the Russian one. Mm-hmm. It's, like, open-style bunk beds where you're, like, sharing with everyone. But you have a bed. Like, right. You have a, you have a place to lay down. And the thing that... American long distance trains are you gotta is pay like, for it. if you're in coach, you're just in you a you're a in a really big seat. Yep. But like yeah. luckily I'm really tiny, but it's it's yeah. really like you it's know It's hard I, to get actual sleep. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm I'm lucky that I can sleep anywhere. Um but like I the first time I did sleeper car, I was like, I can't go back. Like you know, <laughs> like, like it's like a totally different experience. Yeah. Um I would also say there was a lot more so one thing I didn't like was uh in on the Trans-Siberian is there one of the things I love about American train culture is the lounge car where uh-huh. like it's a place to go and hang out that's not and you meet people there. at your seat yeah and yeah. you can hang out with people and you also like don't have to like the rest the dining car is like a proper restaurant like yep. eh, when the Russian lady was running it not so much um, <laughs> slightly less proper Irina man she was really a scam artist <laughs> um, but but you know but like you can't just like go hang out in that car like you uh, definitely need mm-hmm. to buy something especially when Irina is running it hmm. um and but like there was nothing there was no gathering place mm-hmm. on these trains um there's also like it was you know as a chinese train so of course there's like you can smoke in the train you couldn't smoke uh, in the compartments but you could smoke at the end of the oh like carriage yeah, yeah. um <laughs> but you know the chinese are very much about like one they like to smoke everywhere but two they really like to like segment activities ah. so Everything has a place. Yep. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. I. It was a delightful experience. I'd love to go back and do it in the winter, actually. Really? Um, I. The thing that I will say is I think I would like to do the Russian train. There were a bunch of people who got on a Mongolia that had, or Lake Bakal, which is, um, like, by day four and a half of the journey. Hmm. Um, and there were quite a few people like me that, that we got real close and stayed on the whole way. But a huge number of people came on that had taken the Russian train and then taken a stopover and then oh, got, transferred. yeah. Um, and th- all those people had been on the Russian train and they were like, wow, this was a big contrast from the <laughs> Russian train. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of, I'm kind of curious to see what it's like on the Russian train. Sure. Um, they didn't have heat for two days in Siberia. Cause apparently the Chinese just don't get, Coal, you, you, oh. um, the mm. ru- and it was so 
agonizing because we were freezing cold. We were literally stealing blankets from like other compartments where people weren't in them yet. Uh-huh. And like wow. all of us were just walking around huddled in these blankets. Oh. To be fair, both in Beijing and Moscow, it was like 80 degrees. But okay. we went through Siberia right. where yeah, it was yeah, not. Yeah. And um, so like I was wearing all of – I was wearing – a hundred percent of the clothes I had brought, like I and like a wool. Just keep like you, pulling like, them off. <laughs> what was the actual temperature? Did you get a read on it? Um, we did not. Okay. Um, unfortunately, we estimated it to be below freezing, but it Pretty wasn't that cold. much below freezing. Okay. So it wasn't like Still, Siberia crazy cold. But you mm-hmm. don't want to yeah. be like sitting in that. No, it was. I didn't do anything that day. Yeah. Like all I did that day was like sleep under my blankets I, oh my god you take so many naps i didn't know i was capable of taking that many naps and oh, everyone when you're else cold? did yeah. well no just generally <laughs> when it turns out when you're on a train for six days all you really have to do is play card games drink beverages and, and nap i and, kinda, like read i, I read... really want to take this train now. <laughs> actually like... i mean that was partially what yeah. i did it for yeah. um i also had like 200 postcards i had to write and send. right but i couldn't write that day my hands were too cold um, the pen froze but we would be at the stopovers and we would there would be coal cars like just filled with coal just loading coal into the russian train on the opposite side of the track and we'd be like you bastards why why are the chinese <laughs> too cheap to buy the freaking coal and we like we were in like coal is all over siberia right, right. like that's a large export for them so we're just passing by coal trains mm. so it's heated by coal that's why so they finally got it but it was like the last day of coal so we we lost like a day and a half to just shivering under mm. blankets um <laughs> and that was like kind of unreasonable because everything i had heard about the russian train like uh, reading a research ahead time is they were like actually it tends to even in the winter be way too hot because they heat it with the coal and so it like they're just gonna quite, go for it anyhow. they go they, it gets yeah. quite overheated and they were oh. like don't worry about like having warm clothes for inside the train like if you're in the winter you want clothes to get off at the stations but like don't worry about it and then yep. it turned out to be the total opposite wow. and, like oh, i mean like a bunch of people dang. like my suite mate was going to camp in yurts in mongolia for a month and she's like pulling out her sleeping bag yeah. like and wearing it around <laughs> mm-hmm. and, like all of her thermals <laughs> for like yurts in mongolia so wow. yeah um sounds like an experience it was fun <laughs> anyway well you're ready i think for a train around the world when the ice age comes yeah i'm i'm ready i'm totally ready just hope you don't you know get one of the cars where they serve you that whatever gelatinous mass (laughs) not soylent green (laughs) oh you you guys you guys didn't watch snowpiercer no no no? Oh. I'm wow. sorry. That reference was totally lost. <laughs> Someone in the audience got it. Yeah. was very yeah. happy about yes. it. Right on in. <laughs> Anyways, um, it wasn't a great movie. It was not a great movie. It's like an atomic train. A- oh, my God. Rob Lowe. <laughs> yeah. Atomic train. <laughs> not to delve uh, into, I... like, shitty 90s <laughs> atomic yeah. movies. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining yes. us, Lillian. It's been thank a pleasure to have you me. here. I have so many more stories about traveling. I know. I have to we go to bed, you. guys. Yes. Yeah. And so do I. I have to, <laughs> I have to drive some kids tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to do it dressed as Bowie. No. But you no, could do it dressed as Bowie. I could. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank well, you for having you, me. Yeah you're, yeah, you're welcome. Do you want to hang out for calendar and, and news and mail, or you probably want to get going? I think I might head out. You That's know, totally I have cool. More kombucha. Perfectly, you perfectly understandable. Do you want me to give my line items? Please. Yes. Okay. That is. Go. 
visit. Yeah, visit ohmydollar.com slash kickstarter. Then you can watch the cat video and see the cat pun counter and maybe pledge. And uh, otherwise, you can find the podcast Oh My Dollar on wherever you find your podcasts. Right Thanks on. for having me, guys. Yeah. Thanks and on you. X-Ray. Fridays. And on uh, X-Ray if you're in the Portland area and a couple other places that I should definitely memorize. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming in, yeah. Lillian. Thank, Thank you. you, Lillian. <laughs> I love, I love, I love, I love don't, don't ever use that. All right. <laughs> it's Biketober. Yes. You all know what that's about already. Biketober. And if you are in the Washington area and commuting, there is also wheel options for you. Track your commute. Indeed. On October twelfth through the twenty second, or excuse me, October twelfth through the twenty second. So yes, we have a few days to go here. Please go visit Cyclopalooza in San Antonio, Texas. Whether yeah. you are nearby and or not nearby, and it is an excellent event. Tell us about it, please, at the Sprocket Podcast dot com or uh, Gmail Sprocket the Sprocket Podcast <laughs> at Gmail. That kombucha is starting. It's it's just working its listen, magic. Listen there. to the credits. <laughs> <laughs> On October 13th through November 19th, we have the 7th Annual Coffeeaneering Challenge. Yes, this is here in Portland. And so for the Coffeeaneering Challenge, over the course of six-ish weeks, if you ride your bike to seven different places and at least two miles round trip each time, drink seven cups of coffee or similar and take seven pictures of proof of your coffeeaneering, that is all you need to do to participate in the coffeeaneering challenge. Yes. Um and also there's like a little kind of extra challenge. It's not really in the rules. Apparently this is Bonus just points. This is yeah, there's no real points for it, but uh this is just sort of like for those in the know, for the cool kids. All right. I'll I'll, I'll get you hip to this. If you choose a theme for yourself hmm. and uh you know, let everyone know what your theme is. I found this out because I was well. Is it? Is it? I was hipped, or I was made hip to this <laughs> uh, by my girlfriend reading Beth Hammond's blog, mm. and Beth Hammond um, chose a theme for herself. Okay, and uh, so it, for all you cool coffee kip- sipping cats out there, <laughs> all you hep cats, yeah, choose a theme. Choose a theme. Ride your bike to these places. Uh we passed October 15th, but from October 20th oh. through the 22nd here, <laughs> yes, we have... Yes, did. I didn't, I didn't uh, take that off. We so. have the Freak Bike Fall. Yes, coming up. And October 26th through 28th, St. John's River to Sea Loop Summit and Trail Celebration in D-Land, Florida. October 27th, we have the Beer Mongers Halloween Party, Costumes, Music, and Prizes, all contained under one roof of fun and festivity. Where there's always a seat for you at Southeast Division and 12. Come be a mayor of the beer mongers for their Halloween party. <laughs> October 28th, questions and answers with Grant Peterson at Ravello Bike Shop here in Portland. On November 18th, we have Cranks Giving with a special guest MC. Da 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 da. Is it you? It, it, is it me? <laughs> it very well may be. It could be. I hope it is. That'll be pretty fun. December 1st, Pedal Shift turns 100 with a meetup at the Beermongers. And where is that? That is at Southeast 12th and Division. Yes, or Southeast Division and 12th 
it's still the same corner. Yeah, it all works out. Um, December 15th through the 17th. Also, feel free and please do join us at Bike Craft 2017. Yay! We should, where's, there's talk about like maybe having a booth for the oh, podcast. Really? Yeah. yeah. We've got the I, patches. That'd be funny. We've got the stickers. We won't and make, just... for stickers that haven't been sent out yet, we, you, you <laughs> don't have to show up to Bike Craft. <laughs> we'd, lo- we'd love for you to join. <laughs> but those will be sent out as as they should be. Yes. But if you run out, that, that we'll, we'll get you covered there. <laughs> and that was... Which brings us to what can compare with the you're still you're still you know getting your wings. It's okay. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. From bikeportland.org, we have 11 questions for Kenyonda McCorders of Portland's Black Girls Do Bike Chapter. Yes, and this article comes with an apology to Kenyonda because I've been trying to get you on the podcast and you've been very receptive and then I dropped the ball. <laughs> but I'm getting you on the podcast eventually, hopefully soon in November, I promise. So... Again, sorry for dropping the ball, Kianda, if you're listening. For uh, another news or headline item, we have Chocolate Spokes, a film about bicycles. Yes, this came to us from listener Wayne Norman. He says, saw this post and film by Brandon Leonard and thought it might be something you would be interested in. And there's a really cool film. I don't know if we'll be able to... um, yeah, Post well, audio we through. probably won't be able to do that. From, but from I, Chocolate Spokes yes. in, in 2013, uh, I walked into a tiny bike shop called Chocolate Spokes in Denver's Five Points neighborhood because I heard the guy there did solid and reasonably priced bike tune-ups. The shop sat next to a liquor store, was 375 square feet, and every one of those available, available square feet of floor space seemed to be taken up by a bicycle. The owner, Gregory, was a man who wore a bow tie and a warm smile to work every day. So this comes to us from Bike Love Jones, which is Beth Harmon's blog. Uh, so we have a refugee bikes update. She, well, yeah, go ahead and read no, it. after you. So she's been uh, doing um, sort of a, a project passing along. Uh, this is in association with or in partnership with uh, Catholic Charities. She's been passing along a, um, refurbished used bikes uh, to newly arrived refugees. And uh, she put on her blog uh, a kind of a list of things that she was needing. And I thought I would kind of pass it along to any listeners in the Portland area or even outside of the Portland area who feels the need to get in touch with Beth Hammond and maybe send some things her way. Yep. Um, and they're currently looking for adult sizes only. So 26-inch uh, wheels and up. Um, and then, uh, yeah, if you're able to donate towards the cause or know anyone who is, get in yes. touch. Um, she mentions she desperately needs working U-locks with keys um, and other items that she would like to equip bikes with also include water bottles, new or washed, and cages, flat pedals, metal or plastic, rear racks or baskets, and upright handlebars. We got mail. All right. 
So yeah. again, for probably for me, but from episode 379, Robert R. from Florida helps us pronounce his city, D-Land. Sheesh. <laughs> Smiley face. Now, I... <laughs> No, I I'm, think, I'm with you. I'm right there with all, you, Robert. That's all in fun, and we did do a pretty good job in that episode in particular, murdering the pronunciation. Oh yes, <laughs> and that was for all of us. Yes. <laughs> uh, next up is a tweet from Pedal Shifts uh, from out on tour. He uh, posted a picture of his coffee in the morning. It's a callback from a past visit to the Sprocket Podcast. This morning's drink before ascending Leggett Hill, the Kona Coffee. The Kona Coffee. Sorry, I'm on my old notes now. Oh, from, the, you're on the updated notes? Uh, so from episode 380, <laughs> we have Harry Hugel. Uh, man, that intro music in the last episode ran forever. Yeah, a couple of people complained about this. Interesting. Maybe not complained, but at least pointed it out to us. I had no idea that the intro music went longer. I think... I just wait, waited a little bit longer yeah. to turn the volume down. I like to wait just it. a little bit so you kind of get like settled into that that mood, yeah. that vibe there. But we will definitely keep that in mind. Thank you for letting us know, yeah. Harry. Yeah, always, always receptive to um, criticism from our listeners. This came to us all the way from New Zealand. Brian Logan asks us, is hot pizza a common replacement for a bicycle bell? And this is in reference... Or is yelling hot pizza a common replacement for a bicycle bell? This is in reference to an article uh, I had retweeted. Um, let me see if I can find it. I decided not to put it in our headlines just because I felt like we sort of talked over it on the Twitter sphere enough. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Here it is. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 This woman in Spokane got kind of uh well not kind of she got ran into by a cyclist she was hit by a cyclist who yelled hot pizza as he was passing her and then um because she wasn't sure what hot pizza meant she didn't move maybe as fast as this guy preferred and she eh, got hit by this guy yeah she she shouldn't have needed to move at all (laughs) (laughs) it's what it boils down but it, it makes me it makes me wonder like what's so wrong with the bike bell yeah I, I don't, I don't think anything's wrong with the okay. bike bell. Do, do you, so what is your, is that like your preferred method of like getting people's attention? It's pretty contextual. Um, I feel that for, you know, as a, as a means of communication, like I'm a fan of the bell, but I think the bell needs to be used in a like time sensitive context. So a bell within five feet. Yeah, that's too late. But a bell within 20 feet, a lot of times I'll ring like one ring, maybe about 50 ish feet out. If that uh-huh. doesn't work, I'll do a consecutive ring. And then if that doesn't work, like you, you, you slow down, you know, you obviously like you don't <laughs> want to hit somebody. So if they're not hearing it, um, it's your, in, in my opinion, one's due yeah. diligence as a cyclist, especially if on, if on a multi-use path, um, you know, multi-use to, do, to yes. do the best you can, because there's that little fine print in the Oregon driver's manual that says pedestrians have right of way. Yes. So with that, um, no, I, I'm a total fan of bells. I think they're a great form of communication and I think they should be used often um and you know as you get closer to someone a polite on your left is always appreciated wouldn't recommend shouting hot pizza at anybody (laughs) but uh the bells seem to do a pretty good job there 
I don't I don't quite understand the theory of hot pizza. It was kind of explained if, in this article. If you had, like, I you read know. the whole thing, and I I guess I was in the Twitter sphere on this one as well. Yeah. I like if you had seen basically like a a, a a video of me reading this article, it would be me basically shaking my head from left to right in confusion. <laughs> Just like like uh, what, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> um, one person said uh, or, or or commented that it was a, a extreme sense of entitlement, and I would have to oh, agree with definitely. that. Definitely, like, like I, I tweeted hell? it with the phrase of of uh, white privilege on yep, a bike. Yep, you know. Oh, it was Aaron. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, lots, I, lots of comments on I that. I had a real physiological reaction yeah. to reading that. Like, you know, like my heart was, my chest was getting tight. My heart was pounding. Like yeah. I was, I was physiologically angry. I, I got, wasn't just like kind of like angry yeah. in my head. I got, I got yeah. a little pissed myself. Yeah. Um, this is one of those perfect examples where if you look for uh, why the concept of bike apologist or bike apology exists is like, Right. This, this is why. Right. You know. Well, and that's that's another thing, and I think that's part of why. Like, I had such a visceral reaction mm-hmm. to it was, um, you know, my my workplace isn't maybe the most bike friendly of workplaces, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, because me and and a few others bike, we are pretty much in the in the minority, and we also stick out even just even without like just being on bikes, we kind of stick out personality wise um mm-hmm. and maybe because we also bike mm-hmm. but um <laughs> any it's it's like articles like these or incidents like these are what i have to like talk to my coworkers yep. about you yep. know They're that Even conversation though, piece of hey did you see right oh you know, hey, X you or bike. Y let me ask you something and you yep. know what yep. follows is actually generally not a question it's usually mm-hmm. a story yeah. about how a bicyclist did them wrong or they heard about something like an incident like this. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, know, I think what do you think the, about that? The fact, like, when I was reading it, the fact that the... And we won't, we won't spend too much time on this. Um, but, like, the fact that the media covered it and, like, interviewed this person and, like, <laughs> put just, these quotes in a fucking he article... He digging his own hole, like, man. Holy shit. <laughs> like, you're... Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, if you haven't checked it out, if you feel like a firestorm on Twitter, <laughs> have a go at it there. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, perfect example of um, yeah, I would say definitely white privilege. Yeah, yeah, definitely male privilege. Well, there is that sense of um, entitlement. I think a lot of people on bikes do get from time to time, mm-hmm. and I'll I'll it, even include myself. Oh yeah, well, a lot of times yeah. it's out of frustration from every other thing that's been kind of like minorly tearing at you, right? As as it builds up, so you reach this point of frustration, but but. There's but. still no excuse to not grab your brakes. I mean, yep. you know, at, at one point I think he mentioned like you know his his hand. He he was recovering from a hand injury, and so mm-hmm. he wasn't able to break. You know, and it my my contention with that is like, well, if you were in a car and unable to, yeah, break, like if you had a cast on your leg, you know, or or not even you were just recovering sure. from from a broken foot or whatever, like. I'm sorry, you're not cleared to drive. Yeah. You know, or... or It's your responsibility as a user of a vehicle on public roadways to operate that in a safe fashion. And this was clearly a case of that not happening. Yep. I mean, my contention with people who tell me, like, you know, oh, I barely saw you. Well, then, you were going too fast for the conditions at hand. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of whether it's bright out or whether it's night, you know... 
you're you're either not paying attention or or you're going too fast. And this guy, I think, was definitely doing both. Mm-hmm. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> with that said, <laughs> with that keep, said, keep a safe eye out there. Be kind to your fellow multiple use path users. There's and, and, nothing wrong with using your brakes. And 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 refrain from from shouting hot pizza. Don't yell hot hot. I think like hot pizza is now like <laughs> like <laughs> kind of like banished from the from the vernacular. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, this this one just this yeah. cracks me up. Yeah, that's all you can do is laugh at it. Well, I hope you listeners have had a good laugh as well. Thanks to Lillian again for coming in and sharing stories about trains and finance. And cats and David Bowie. You ready for this? We're let's do it. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio, thanks to the generous support of Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Kurt Bird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katharina Mellengard. Wayne Norman, Doug Roberts. Ethan Georgie Justin Martin Eric Iverson Cameron Lean Richard Wazinski Tim Mooney Glenn Kubish Matt Kelly Eric Weitz Todd Parker Dan Gebhardt Who's a time traveler Zoe Campania Dave Nose Chris Smith Christy Kaster Caleb Jenkinson JP Cooley Peanut Butter Jar Matt Patrick Archain Sebastian Poole Marco Lowe Rich Otterstrom Andrew in Colorado Drew the Welder Anna I'll see you in a minute John Wasserman, Andre Johnson, King of Division. Josh Zissen, Richard G. Guthrie Straw, who's still right here. Hello. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regranary. Campsite, Magnus David. Kathy at Cycling, Walking, Eating, Talking. Nathan Poulton, Chris Rawson, Rory in Michigan. Michael Florney, Jeremy Kitchen, David Belias. Tim Coleman, Mr. T, Harry Hugel. Ed Whitman, EJ Finneran, Paul Culbertson, if that's your real name. Probably isn't. Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchison, Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Derek Wagner, Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore, Dennis O'Brien, Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, and Chris Barron, and following upon Sean Baird, Simon Gregory, Braitwith. Excuse I, oh. me, Sean Baird, <laughs> Simon Gregory Braitwith, <laughs> and Ryan Marrow, and all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now, pull out your toothbrush and brush your teeth, and pull out your bed, and, and go to it. <laughs>